0: Follow Sean on social media at Sean B. Planet. His podcast audio is on the Sean B. Planet channel, on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. His videos are on YouTube and Bitchute. Live streams on DLive and Twitch. Blogs, links, and other stuff can be found at SeanBPlanet.com. Alright, alright. What's going on, y'all? Welcome in. Buenos noches to all my dudes. You know the deal. I'm Sean Corey. This is the Sean V Planet live stream. Monday nights, 8 p.m. Central Time. The one true time zone. The only time zone that matters. And we're here on YouTube, DLive, Trovo, Twitter Live. If you know my Twitter account. Um, the Twitter account that's not me. At, at not Sean V Planet. You can stream it there. And hopefully on Odyssey in the future. I'm on a mission this week to figure out Odyssey and make that work. So... Um, yeah (laughs) the next few weeks i'll be on odyssey that's where all the cool kids are going um just gotta figure out how you guys know me on boomer tech it takes me a while to figure this stuff out um purity uber ales alice allies i don't know what that means sad but nice to see you hope all is well thanks for tuning in now or later live with me right now in the chat Commenting, asking questions—you know the drill. If you've been here, we're on Instagram for this one, even though they're not going to see some some of the images we're going to put up. Um, but yeah, for everyone out there, shambieplanet.com has all my links, all my content stuff. Check out my good news for my dudes, devotional reading streams—you can find them there. You can find them on that channel on YouTube. Blog page link is there. Old interviews with artists and donation links—all at shambieplanet.com. For all your all your Sean Corey needs, right there, one one convenient place. I uh, I do appreciate all the love, all the support. Y'all are amazing, truly amazing. Keep telling your friends and your enemies about the streams and send me comments and questions and topics and stuff you want me to cover here and now or later on in the chat. If you're here with me. Or um, later on, like in right in the comment section of wherever you're watching or listening to this, or um, you can hit up my social media DMs, my private messages, at Shambie Planner, or all those things. My Discord is in the show notes, as well my, my PO box if you want to write me um, handwritten letters down in the show notes of wherever you're watching or listening to this. And tonight, on this funny numbered episode, we are going to talk about it. <laughs> we're gonna talk about it we can't not talk about it on episode 69 right Um, but we're not talking about it in the way all you degenerates and heathens want me to (laughs) it's not happening we're not talking about it we're talking about sexual immorality relationships purity sex disparity and we're gonna read a little bit about, about out of this book called the purity principle at the end so uh, get your minds out of the gutter and listen up, you perverts. <laughs> Mr. Z on Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, brother. Hope all is well. Set of a cantist, my dude, my mod. Mods in the chat. Your episode title is "Sex and Purity." Come on, man. Yeah. I don't know what pu- "purity uber ales" means. "Purity uber ales," Alice. A l l e s. Ales, Alice. I don't know what that means. I don't speak Latin. <laughs> Yet, I don't speak Latin yet, so I don't know what that means. Uh, <laughs> come on, man. Right on. We're getting into it. Dig into your seats, you perverts, and let's talk about it. We can't not talk about it on episode 69. You know. You know what I mean. I couldn't just do some like, hey, let's talk about a parable tonight. Hey, let's Let's talk about a short story I just read tonight. Um, Can't skip over it. We have to talk about it. You know the drill. Next week, we are going to talk about Squid Game. I watched the show Squid Game, and uh, it's pretty deep and pretty shallow at the same time. It's pretty graphic violence and stuff and whatnot, adult themes and imagery. But there's a lot of gravy and a lot of insights that I want to talk about and share so um if you haven't watched it and you want someone to just summarize it and break it down from like a, a pretty like insightful open-eyed moral perspective christian christian mindset uh tune in for that and uh if you want to uh not watch it <laughs> and just hear me talk about it not watch all the graphics tune in and if you have seen it and you want to hear hear what i have to say about it tune in And uh, join me for the live chat if you want to talk about it. Discuss theories as we we go next week. So again, that's next Monday. What would that be? Monday, October 18th. We're talking about Squid Game. And tonight we're talking about sex and purity. So dig in, you perverts and you degenerates. (laughs) And let's get into it. Girlfriends in the Instagram chat. Hello, hello. Hope all is well. Um... Said says, good thing you aren't streaming on Twitch for this stream. Yeah, would I get banned on Twitch? I gave up trying to send my stream to Twitch. It never worked. (laughs) My boy, Steven Ignoramus. Shout out to Steven Ignoramus. I think it's Ignoramus Media on YouTube. And he also has a page that's Steven Ignoramus on YouTube. Check him out. He's awesome. He's dope. He's been on this stream once. He's coming on again in a few months. Um, But He gave me some good advice that was keep trying it until they kick you off. So that's what i'm doing on trovo right now everyone got purged on trovo all like right-leaning christian people are getting purged and kicked off of um, trovo.live but you know thanks to Stephen, my the good advice he gave me is keep streaming and make them kick you off you know which is just good advice in general especially with all those uh you know v's all the the jabba dabba ding-dongs that are going on um all of the, the silly, the Fauci ouchies, the uh, silly, silly potions that people are putting in their arms these days, and all of the mandates and rules that are um, being applied to people. Um, it's so much better to make people fire you and kick you out and censor you than it is to like give up on your own. Don't quit. Don't censor yourself. Don't give up. Make them do the action. It's better for you legally and spiritually. You keep going and you make the enemy um, shut you down. You don't shut yourself down. So yeah, that's good advice. Said post a Stephen Ingramus picture in the in the D live chat. Y'all he's also sending me lemons, man. Said, you're my dude. Thank you, brother. Sed of a cantus bear, my man. Um, yeah, check out Steven Ingramus. He's dope. He's awesome. He's always crushing. <laughs> always on his various streams and platforms. And um yeah best best chat he has the best chat on this side of heaven i can only dream to have a chat as good as his one day um and i think set is a moderator over there as well um but right on we're gonna get into it you guys are here for it you guys are here let's dig in we're doing it (laughs) we're doing it um this uh we're gonna start off with this this is a profound i'm gonna read this real quick it's a profound and insightful twitter thread I wanted to share to kind of start off this stream. It's going to lead me into my next theme and topic, and it kind of covers some points that I want to talk about, which is going to set up the next thing we're going to talk about, which is going to set up the next thing we're going to talk about. So we're getting into it tonight, guys. We're getting into it. Apologies for any curse words and weak words. Um, This stream is obviously going to have some naughty words and a little bit of cursing. My girlfriend's not going to like it. You can feel free to turn off right now, babe, if you don't want to hear it. <laughs> you can't handle the weak words. It's not mine. It's not me. It either needs to be said for the context or I'm quoting from this person whose handle on Twitter is at windreign, W-I-N-D-R-E-I-G-N. So wind and then rain, like a King Reigns. Rain on Twitter. We're going to read this. Uh, it's a tweet thread from, again, wind Rain, And... There's like some grammatical errors and misspellings and some cursing and stuff, but I just want to quote it as it was written, as it was typed out, this long Twitter thread, and then dive into like my thoughts and research based on it because it's pretty profound and and, uh, sparked a lot of thoughts as I was doing prep for this stream. So here we go. Um, (laughs) Yeah, said says, yo, Trovo exclusive chat, yeah the Trovo secret chat, <laughs> the one-man army. Oh, the, two, the two-man army over on Trovo right now, <laughs> right on. But again, this thread, this is me reading the thread, the Twitter thread from at Wind W-I-N-D-R-E-I-G-N on Twitter. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot have a fruitful discussion on sex and marriage without acknowledging the truth about female sexuality. It feels like in all these Twitter spaces, This is the elephant in the room that no one wants to talk about. In a space I was just listening to, somebody brought up the vast difference between Christian men, in parentheses, virgin, and women, in parentheses, not virgin, who are between the ages of 25 and 30, and if that is fine or not. The answer he got back boiled down to, get over it, it is what it is. The topic was then promptly glossed over before anyone could ask, why is it like this anyways? We are usually told to believe that women want to marry and have kids while men just want sex and nothing else. So why are the Christian men usually the virgins and the women not? In addition to that, why is it that the overwhelmingly repeated and stated advice on these spaces is that men need to take more responsibility and quote, stop wasting women's time and just commit? usually stated by a woman first but then it is usually also parroted by men later who the hell are these players that are not committed it can't be our Tradcath online virgins so who is left we'll touch back on this in a moment but before that i want to touch on another sentiment that is expressed often and which will help us solve this puzzle quote unquote puzzle Young, men's, young people today are having a lot less sex than they used to, on average. The most popular theories are, among others, low testosterone and porn use. So far, so good. But let us take a second to parse these so-called young people. Are we talking about both men and young women? The answer to that is no. The main drivers of the decline in sex are young men by far. As women are having about the same amount of sex as they have for the last 30 years. This means that there are some men who are having more sex than ever, while some are having none at all. And Instagram's not going to see this, but there's a graph I'm going to put up on the screen right now that shows young men. This is in the Twitter thread. Young men driving the decline in sex. The graph depicts a share of men and women between the ages of 18 and 30 reporting no sex in the past year. And so, obviously, we're seeing women pretty steadily, um, you know, kind of ups and downs like a graph would, kind of like a stock, stock market chart graph. And uh, obviously, the men are in, in increasing numbers over the last 10 years, obviously increasing the amount of not sex-having they're having. <laughs> the not sex that's taking place with the men compared to the women, which seems to be pretty, pretty steady over the last 30 years. Brefault's Law. Brifault's Law states, the female, not the male, determines all the conditions of the animal family, where the female can derive no benefit from association with the male. No such association takes place. This means in matters of sex, women are the choosers and men the chosen. So who the hell do women choose if it's not our Tradcath virgin friends who want to be married and have loving families and children? These men are geared to be long-term providers to these women. They offer protection, resources, and love. Who else could women choose? There was a study on OkCupid a few years back where women and men rated each other's attractiveness. The men rates the women across a normal distribution, but the women, on the other hand, rated 80% of men as below average. Not average, but below average. Let me pull this graph up. So again, I'm putting another graph on the screen for the Instagram viewers Um, and I guess podcast listeners as well. But you can see here um, that the bar graph being shown, you know, you can see a pretty, pretty normal average distribution for how men rate women, you know, kind of least attractive to most attractive. It kind of spans a pretty normal distribution, you know, what you'd expect from like a spectrum, you know, kind of low on the ends, kind of gradually going up to make a kind of hill. In the middle, evenly distributed. But when you go down to how women rate men, you can see that clearly they view men on, on a scale far greater to shifting towards the least attractive end. Um, you know, which I guess we'll just get into it. I don't have to explain it. We're smart enough. Maybe if you're listening, it doesn't make sense. But if you can see the graph right now, you get it. Women are clearly rating men as less attractive overall. Um Attractive men being making up a much smaller portion of the higher percentile. So if it were up to women, they would not want anything to do with 80% of men as they just find them completely undesirable. They can of course quote, learn to love them out of necessity, which is something we will come back to later, but ideally they don't want them at all. Needless to say, these men are inundated with sexual opportunities from all women including the trad, cap, trad calf types, who types, who throw themselves at the men. Now, do all these women want or even expect commitment for sleeping with these men? The answer is, of course not. It's entirely validational. This is the missing ingredient in all of these discussions on the Twitter spaces. Women don't want to just marry and have kids. Perhaps even more than that, they want to have sex with hot dudes who give them tingles. In their early to mid 20s, when women are the are the height of their beauty and fertility, the things that men want most from women, they have sex with these hot dudes sometimes in the hopes of getting commitment, but most of the time just as a validational boost. As the clock starts ticking, however, they start looking for men who seem like good long term providers. These are not hot or exciting men, but they are stable and have otherwise no prospects. Here is the point where women switch from I want to marry him to I want to marry. Needless to say, there is a huge difference between those two things and men instinctively know it. This is the reason church seems so unattractive to men these days. The deal they are offering is not one any self-respecting man would take. But it's not just the church that's offering bad deals It's society at large, which are at war with men's natural instincts to not commit to a woman who has numbers comparable to a prostitute in past ages. Telling men to, quote, take responsibility and man up is not going to cut it anymore. And even if, God forbid, a man decides to take responsibility, can he expect to have authority over his wife and over his children? No, they are equal, you see. He will not have an iota of authority to make the bitter pill of his whore wife go down easier. If he ever gets it into his head that he has any authority, probably due to one too many wife wives give your men authority sermons, the following morning his wife will go out of the door with his kids and he will be expected to provide for her and there is nothing he can do about it. The too long didn't, you know, TLDR, too long didn't read version of everything that's being said. Women have a pluralistic mating strategy. Alphas get the sex, betas are left with their own hands. Women today want high quality genes from hot dudes and long-term provisioning from betas. Their early 20s is spent trying to get the former while they settle for the latter in their late 20s to early 30s. Unless women's sexuality is restrained, there is no incentive whatsoever for men to commit and take responsibility for these women. In fact, there are only detrimental effects for these men who have to mind kill themselves to suppress their natural instincts. Finally, I want to conclude this thread by saying this is a societal problem and no single man can change it or affect it by marrying ex-ho turned Christian number 33. In fact, in a matter of fact, that just reinforces the problem because it proves to women They can have it all. End of thread. (laughs) So yeah, sorry for the vulgarity and stuff. Um, Gonna end the Instagram chat because no one seems to be there, and this stand is kind of in my way. (laughs) Um, And they can't see the graphs anyways. And there's a lot to unpack there. Again, sorry for the profanity, the vulgarity, the whatnot cringeworthy like cursing and slandering but it's true it's profound and it sparks in my research and I think it's necessary to talk about because people aren't talking about it for one reason or another they're scared to. they don't know about it but there's a lot to unpack there um, and I'm pretty sure this was written by a Catholic female I could be wrong about that but that was like the end of the Twitter verse that it was circulating around <laughs> was Catholic Catholic women on Twitter um, So it might have been a male, might not have been, I don't know. The writing seems like it could have gone either way. The biggest issue here, and we're gonna talk about this here, the biggest issue, and I've covered this way back on my streams, um, I think when I talked about OnlyFans and sexual immorality in the past, last year a little bit, the biggest issue is that women have the purchasing power when it comes to making families, when it comes to relationships in general. Men are expected to put in the work to make relationships happen, but women are the judge, the jury, and the executioners of the trial. In our modern age where women, where marriages are either non-existent or seen as just a temporary contract that can be broken or opted out at any time, the women are given an immense amount of power over sexual happenings and the culture that results from it. faults I don't know what this is, faults or faults Law which was mentioned in the thread, holds that women only associate with men when they can personally benefit from doing so. In other words, females exhibit non-altruism and are by default cold-hearted towards males until personal gain can result from it. This law is a consequence of Bateman's principle, which states women are choosier due to greater parental investment. Being more choosy, women are overall less interested in any sexual contact. This, in turn, means men have fewer dating opportunities on average. So men are more likely to make compromises out of sexual frustration or physical desperation. This allows women substantial decision power in sexual matters, which they can exploit strategically or innately, by withholding sex. In other words, there truly is power in the, uh, the, you know, the, the kitty, the kitty cat. <laughs> There's power in the kitty cat. The principle of least interest is one cause of hypergamy. And I've heard it said hyper hypergamy, but I think it's hypergamy. Or the tendency that women date up because making compromises means dating down which goes against their choosy natures. Again, going back to the thread, like they're willing to settle in their later years when they kind of have to out of desperation. But women will not date down, quote unquote, date down, um, unless they can get something out of it. Unless, it. unless dating down, quote unquote, is somehow in their best interest because they tend to be more choosy in the relationships. And again, for listeners at home, I'm going to put up a graph here that kind of explains and shows this that um, you know in about 1955, back in the day when marriages were still prevalent and happening and <laughs> society was structured that way, you know, pre-sexual revolution, there were just pairs that would make up. you know the higher ranking women, whatever you want to say about that, higher ranking women or you know more um, attractive or qualified or whatever. the quote unquote top of the pyramid, women, would match up and made up with the quote unquote higher of the pyramid, however you want to define that men. The more attractive, the richer, the more athletic, the what have you, the better dancers, the you know funnier people, the better personalities, whatever it is, it would kind of, everyone would kind of match up and, and pair up equally and stay with their partners, which made the distribution of men and women very equal. The distribution of the sex having and the family making would be pretty equal but now, <laughs> you know, now in our se- post-sexual revolution um, society, we what you can see on the graph here is that women have the ability to, to go up, to choose to go up more. They, all women, even the quote-unquote lower on the pole, lower on the pyramid women, the lower ranking women, have the ability to choose up because they don't have to commit. There is no commitment necessary. And even if there are commitments, it's likely viewed as a temporary arrangement. You know, marriages these days are kind of seen as temporary, <laughs> easily broken, easily moved on past, or, um, you know, a lot of cheating that happens regardless of the marriage or the wedding ring. So as you can see, post-sexual revolution, now that marriages and sticking true to your partner is not as prevalent in society, women have given, been given this power to choose up which leaves a lot of men at the bottom. You know, as you we were saying earlier, almost 80% of men, it's probably not actually that high, but at least most men are on the, on the lower end of that pyramid, that power structure, that hierarchy. The lower, probably 50 or more men on that structure are not having sex and not having families. So this hyper hypergamy, I say hypergamy. Hypergamy refers to marrying up by women or investing sexually in those nearer to the top of the sexual hierarchy. Hypergamy is mainly a result of the woman's higher choosiness, higher uniformity of sexual desire, and men's higher sex drive and promiscuity. These differences are thought to have evolved from higher parental investment by the females. Excuse me. Both male and female inceldom is partially born from college-educated and politically active women. Technology and liberalism have allowed more women to enter the workforce and surpass men in educational and socioeconomic status, hence rendering more men unattractive to women due to women's hypergamous preference to date up. This has possibly resulted in an increase in male inceldom, but also female singlehood. In fact, high status women are frequently observed to prefer singlehood over dating down. Also, women more readily continue to provide sex in a long-term relationship when they are economically dependent on the man, which may suggest they hand out sex to ensure continued investment in them. Independent women have thus less need to give sex to anyone and may refrain from sex entirely. As such, their unusual independence poses an evolutionary mismatch. This is not only bad for men, which is the obvious and glaring result of the MGTOW types they will complain about this and they will not shut up about it. <laughs> it is not only bad for them, but it is, which is the obvious and glaring result of these recent changes to society and human nature, but also for women, as they too suffer from more loneliness and sexual deprivation when strong men who sexually satisfy them become rarer, since clearly not all women then can find a satisfying partner and would rather stay lonely instead. In fact, women have become less orgasmic with this relatively new sexual revolution, which may be due to a lower prevalence of strong, confident men who mog them regarding income. I don't know what mog is. That's a typo on me. Confident men who match them regarding income. Women today also have a tendency to switch mates when rising in social status women whose mate value increases substantially will become more emotionally dissatisfied with their current partner more likely to evade a partner's mate guarding efforts more likely to cultivate backup mates more likely to initiate new relationships with higher mate value men and less inclined to stay with their current partners the breakdown of marriage and families there are other indications of intensified hypergamy besides the rise of singlehood and sexlessness, namely less stable relationships. With the decline of marriage norms, there comes a greater acceptance of polygamy and divorce laws that greatly benefit women, as women more readily jump ship when a better man becomes available or alpha men become viable options. This can be seen in women initiating divorces more often than men, and a closing gender gap in infidelity despite the fact that men oppose their partner's infidelity much more strongly. Women appear to have a fundamental anxiety about not having made the ideal partner choice in terms of wealth and power and no fault divorce laws and other institutions and norms that facilitate mate switching satisfy this female desire. The 80-20 rule or Pareto principle, Perino, Pareto principle, comes from economics but can often be applied to many different social studies. It refers to the observation that inequality often approaches a distribution where the 20% richest own 80% of the wealth, due to the Matthew effect. I.e., you know, let's explain this <laughs> simply. Due to success breeding success and the unsuccessful tending to find themselves in a downward spiral, to put it very simply, in the case of the sexual marketplace, wealth means the number of sex partners. This 80-20 rule then is a certain model of how inequality can manifest, but it does not prove that things will always be as severely unequal. Some economists take less extreme positions and merely use such models to argue that some inequality is inevitable. Many incels, or those involuntarily celibate, if you don't know what that means, involuntary celibate, those seeking to have sex but are unable to do so for whatever reason, perceive their inceldom to be caused by the 20% most dominant men hoarding 80% of the females, which is a somewhat exaggerated view of the facts, except perhaps for a few subcultures and online dating platforms with very unequal sexual markets. For this reason, many incels rather use 80-20 as a meme to warn, off, to warn of the damaging effects of our current dating scene and increased competitiveness in online dating, knowing reality may not be as unequal, at least for now. So, why are we talking about this tonight? Why does all this matter? Well, the result of this outcome is that men in society today have fewer mating options available to them. So they are either left without a mate or life partner, left unable to make and raise families, and are encouraged to make compromises, date down, sacrifice their values, and abandon their principles or even their beliefs entirely in order to acquire the sex of their bodies crave or to make the families that their souls desire. These single men, this rise in single men, both the non-believers and the believers alike, who are lower on the sexual hierarchy for whatever reason, unattractiveness, physical deformities, awkward tendencies, lower incomes, lower social status, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. These quote unquote lower men on the totem pole tend to seek out porn to satisfy their sexual urges, Some resort to increased drug use or violence to stimulate the brain and increase dopamine hits in the place of the sexual releases that their bodies are craving. Some even take their own lives, feeling a general lack of importance, meaning, or purpose in life. The self-destruction of these young men is a result of the breakdown of marriages in our society. The lack of forever bonds the lack of marriage vows, and a lack of commitment to one single sexual partner for life. This has resulted in the destruction of young men, rampant fatherlessness in homes with children, broken families, increased infertility, and the ripples that have spread outwards from these results are starting to destroy our civilization at large, slowly but surely. Without meaning and purpose, one is going to destroy themselves it's inevitable and likely bring down others with them and by liberating people sexually we have taken away the meaning and purpose of far too many young men and women or just men and women and we are now just just now entering into the consequence phase of this and here's it's a little small but if you're watching on the screen you can see this little thing kind of going back to that last pick of the unequal distribution now in dating and relationships. So we see, you know, 50 years ago, everyone matched up and paired up for life and the distribution was even among men and women. We see today the distribution going back to very unequal, you know, kind of that quote unquote 80-20 principle. It's probably not exactly that, but we see a higher distribution of all the women selecting the higher men and leaving a good portion of the young men Out, I guess I could be pointing. Right here, (laughs) we see the women choosing the higher-ranking men, and we see a good amount of the men being left out of the sex having and the family making. So then, what does that result in? It leaves a lot of young men without sexual partners, without wives, without mothers to their children. And what do they do? You can't really see it here, but they're picking up spears. (laughs) You have angry young men, you know. Single and, and meaningless and there's no meaning and purpose to their life. There's no families being made. There's no sexual release to their bodies if they're non-believers and, and humanists secularists. And then here we we keep moving on and we see this um, um, joining Satanism. <laughs> you know what are they gonna do? What are these angry young men with no meaning and purpose gonna do? They're gonna drift into evil. They're gonna start drifting away from God. They're gonna start lacking belief as they laugh me last lack meaning and purpose and then we move on to this next graph where we see all the couples at the top all the women with the with the handful of men and you see all these loner incel type men um, joining satan (laughs) you know literally joining satan's ranks and then so we see the next image of all those incel men fighting back with satan you know attacking the rest of those women and those few men that have the whatever you wanna call it, the gift or the luck or the skill or the ability to attract and partner with all of the women. Those men at the higher end of the distribution scale who have all of the women are being attacked now by all of the incel men with no meaning and purpose in their lives, angry and alone, nothing to lose, desperate people with nothing to lose. And then what you see on the very, very last slide over here, (laughs) How am I doing this? Over here in the very end, you just see, you know, a bunch of dead bodies, all those women and all those men, and you see those angry insult men standing around with spears. So obviously that's a meme, that's funny, it's a bit extreme on everything, but um, that's kind of in general what is happening, right? All these young men are being left behind and their reactions are not gonna be healthy. They're not gonna be, overall, they're not gonna be spiritually good and spiritually pure when they lack meaning and purpose of having children and having families. So again, why does all of this matter? Uh-oh, am I down? cantus says, and we're down. So did I just get booted off platforms just now? Let's check. Oh, it looks like I'm up. Looks like I might be up. one second so yeah so as much as incels want to be mocked online it's like those are the guys that do pick up guns and start acting out right those are the loners the quote-unquote people the desperate people with nothing to lose who have no meaning and purpose in their life because of a lack of a lifelong partner um or those who have been you know jaded by former partners or cheated on or left by their partners because those people are seeking higher higher men on the the totem pole or the pyramid those uh it has consequences for all those young men um you know wish i had a picture ready of um what's his name in the cabin in the woods you know the sexual revolution and its consequences has been a disaster for the human race so again why does all this matter why should we know about all this because our enemy our true enemy again our enemy is not the women it's not the men it's not this occurrence it's not this it's not that you can't point to things of this or of this world the physical world and say that's the enemy because our true enemy is spiritual right <laughs> our true enemy um, loves breaking up families or preventing them from occurring in the first place god wants us to be fruitful and multiply to work the fields and earn our livings to seek first righteous living obeying god's authority and his commandments and to have faith and trust in him as our lord and savior to overcome our fallen natures and return to him spiritually and enter into permanent Reunion with him eternally in his kingdom. So Satan, our true enemy, will do whatever he can to prevent all of that from happening. He wants us to fail, to stumble, to fall short, and to destroy ourselves, to keep us down here and with him in eternity. Just suffering in this mortal life and in our deaths, eventually becoming food for him and his demons to devour. Satan doesn't want us to have happy, healthy, productive, honest, genuine, loving families. He doesn't want us working hard and being thankful and content with what we have. He doesn't want us obedient to God's laws and authority, trusting in our true Lord and Savior and focusing our eyes on eternity. Satan wants us to seek first our own pleasures, our own desires, He wants us to use each other, cheat each other, lie to each other, steal from each other, hate each other, distrust each other, fear each other, and he wants us to suffer and die. Satan wants sexual immorality to run rampant. He wants us to focus our lives on acquiring sex and pleasures. He wants us to use and abuse each other to get there, and he wants to keep us far away from God and righteous living, so that He can capture our souls. But, (laughs) but we win when we accept our place, when we are content with what we have earned, when we work hard, spread the truth of the Bible, love God and all of His children, when we repent of our failures and forgive others for theirs. We win when we trust in the Lord and fixate our eyes on eternity and not on the temporary pleasures, the fleeting happenings, and the worthless stuff of this earth. Men are to marry women, be loyal and faithful to them, provide for and protect them, be fruitful and multiply with them, honor them, lead them into the right direction, And maintain a holy union with them until death do they part. Anything other than that is exactly what Satan wants out of us. He wants us to be sexually liberated and craving constantly for sex. He wants us to be sterile and infertile. He wants us to be liars and cheaters, degenerates and perverts, sinners and godless souls. Reject. All of that. Reject it. Seek first and always God and his right ways. Overcome your sexual and physical cravings and invest your soul into righteous living and earn a place in the eternity of bliss in your creator's kingdom after this life inevitably comes to an end. Go do it now. (laughs) Go do it now said of cantus says we're down says and we're down i don't think we are though oh maybe i am maybe i maybe i am on trovo no it looks like i'm still up still up on d live i don't know if i'm getting banned or if it's just not working <laughs> we'll see hopefully i can get on odyssey by next week and everything will be good they seem to be pretty based pretty chill <laughs> pretty cool with all the controversial people opinionated folks the, the, the white Christian young men who are under attack in this nation <laughs> Odyssey seems pretty chill with them pretty based you know <laughs> girlfriend in the chat says I'm so thankful for you handsome babe you're the godly future husband I prayed for yes <laughs> of course yeah you know it you know I am <laughs> you better be you better be thankful you better be you better be thankful you're super lucky <laughs> yeah. prayer answered yeah mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> right on so why wait to have sex until marriage so after all that Why, like, what is it, what is it in your, what is it, why is it in your interest to have, to wait to have sex until marriage? Outside of just the statistical breakdown and the uh, grim truth about like human nature and society and our culture, spiritually, why wait to have sex until marriage? Premarital sex weakens trust between a couple. Sex is a powerful thing And power requires boundaries and limitations, or else it will spread and destroy. Sex is meant to have boundaries, and marriage is the truest boundary, as it is a commitment for life. The key component to every marriage is trust in each other. It is not compatibility. It is not attraction. It is not shared interests it is not romance, it is not shared memories, it is trust in each other. And sexual acts outside of a covenant, outside of marriage, they are showing that that covenant of marriage is not that important to each other. They're showing that it is okay, they can just do this temporary release, and in doing so, it is breaking the trust Is breaking trust as they can no longer truly believe that this person is committed to the other for life. They have discarded the value of marriage in their selfish acts. Women need to say, put a ring on it. (laughs) Say it more, women. (laughs) Just say no until there is a ring put on it. There must be a deep trust in all marriages. There must be genuine commitment to each other before God, or it will never truly work. So why wait to have sex until marriage? Sex creates babies. (laughs) There are no returns, there's no refunds, no exchanges with babies. And they do occur regardless of how safe, quote unquote safe and quote unquote cautious people try to be. Children are for life, which is why marriages are for life. And it's, marriages are just, I'll just say it, just marriages are just so important before sexual acts take place because babies result from sex and you better be right with your partner to make sure that that baby is living well. Or else you'll have broken families and fatherless homes and that baby will be having a great disadvantage in life and grow up to not have a good time. <laughs> so why wait to have sex until marriage, right? STDs and diseases spread. Did you Have you heard about the AIDS? <laughs> have you heard about the clap? Have you heard about these things called STDs? Um, yeah, they spread. Those who wait until marriage to have sex, who remain pure before marriage, They have no need to worry about diseases spreading between each other or onwards down their line to their children. Simple, simply put, why wait to have sex until marriage? Again, why wait? Why is it beneficial to you to wait to have sex until marriage? Premarital sex steals the joy and connection of a dating relationship. Dating is special. It should be treasured and focused upon each other's souls and not their bodies. Putting the flesh pleasure aside during the premarital dating phases allows couples to connect better and more thoroughly, emotionally and spiritually. There is genuine joy in two souls growing closer to each other every day, a beautiful process that is disrupted when the physical aspect of sexual release occurs. The emotional and spiritual connection cannot grow when a couple decides to bring the physical connection into the premarital relationship. To have sex outside of marriage is treating sex like animals do. When the emotional and spiritual connection is discarded for the physical connection, human beings resort to being no greater than animals who seek pleasure and avoid pain. They want what is fun, exciting, new, easy, and readily available. There is no depth. There is nothing greater than ourselves in the physical connection outside of a marriage covenant. Disregarding our emotional and spiritual connections with one another results in us becoming animalistic treating others as nothing more than animals themselves. You are not an animal. You were meant for one. You were meant for something greater than your genital pleasures. You were meant for a truly meaningful, deep, trusting marriage with one special person. And premarital sex steals that joy and connection of a relationship. There is a chorus in the Song of Songs, the Book of Love and Song of Solomon, if you will. And this is the one verse repeated three times in that from the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon, depending on which version of the Bible you have. Verses 2, 7, chapter 2, verse 7, verses chapter 3, verse 5 and chapter 8, verse 4, which reads again, the same in all three of those songs. I charge you. O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field, do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Do not arouse or awaken sexual desires until it is the right time, men and women. Keep your eyes fixated on eternity and not the temporary flesh pleasures in your dating relationships. So again, why wait until marriage to have sex? Sex creates a soul tie. There are healthy soul ties and there are unhealthy soul ties. Soul ties are critical for human development. When a baby is conceived, it immediately forms a soul tie with that mother. While that woman is pregnant, there is a connection between her and that baby In mind body and spirit in the womb all pregnant women need to be aware of what they eat how they feel the way they think and react because that baby is tied to the mind the will the emotions and the soul of their mother when that baby is born that soul tie is critical throughout human development Morality, intelligence, and health are all a direct result from the emotional, physical, spiritual connection to their mothers. Eventually, that child will grow up, hit puberty, and begin to rebel from their parents. Eventually, that child will need to break off that soul tie and become an independent adult human being, their own person. They must learn to think, feel, act, desire, learn, build, and grow on their own. Soul ties can also be formed outside of the womb and parental upbringing. They are formed through vows, deep emotional connections, and sex. Healthy soul ties can be formed by friends bonding with each other, by soldiers going through traumas with each other, but marriage is the ultimate soul tie. The couple will exchange vows To death, do us part through commitment, words, and object exchanges, like wedding rings, which are physical symbols of commitment to each other. After the ceremony, the married couple will go off and consecrate their marriage with consummate their marriage with sex, where two become one flesh forever. There is a specific order to the creation of the soul tie. First before God, then before families and community, the vows, then the objects. And then once that blessing is released and that soul tie is formed, it is finalized with sex. But Satan does not want this at all. Again, Satan, our enemy, does not want this to happen at all. He wants to invert and pervert. This entire process to create weak, dysfunctional, unhealthy, traumatizing, destructive, and even deadly soul ties. Satan wants us to have sex first, then exchange objects, and then lastly, the vows. So that everything in that relationship is backwards, inverted, based on lies and deceptions, and the whole thing becomes unrighteous unstable and destructive there is a pretty good example I heard in a sermon once about sex being like a piece of tape where if you took a piece of tape and put it on a table on this table right here it would stick very well right but if I removed it there would be some bits of the table left on it and when I put that same bit of tape with those bits of the table on it on this water bottle (laughs) stick it on you know this water bottle here Um, it wouldn't stick quite as well right there'd still be some bits of the table left on it Um, then if I remove that piece again um, it would also carry with it now fragments of that bottle so when I go to put that tape on my my shirt right put that tape now on my shirt it's going to not start it's going to start not sticking very well right and it's going to still carry all the pieces of that table and the water bottle with it and if I removed it again and put it on my computer screen here, you know, it's going to continue. It's going to have all those fragments from the previous bond it had with it. When that bond is removed, pieces of each other are left on the other one. Bits of the tape are left on the table. Bits of the table are left on the tape. Bits of the bottle are left on the tape. Bits of the tape are left on the bottle. Bits of the tape are left on the shirt. Bits of the shirt are left on the tape. Bits on, you know, it's going to continue. That process is going to continue. There's no complete separation. There's no healthy, clean break when that first physical reunion is formed. When we have sex outside of meaningful, forever vows with one person, we are left with with sexual experiences that stain and weaken our souls with the fragments of our past relationships. When we finally find the one we are meant to be with, we are left with pieces of others still on us in a weakened ability to truly bond with that one that was meant to be meant to be excuse me that final soul tie we wish to create has been made weakened and dulled by past relationships that were carried out in the wrong way sex creates soul ties whether we want to or not and they carry on with us throughout our lives emotionally physically and spiritually our past sexual relations carry on with us and we must make sure to prevent them from happening in the first place to remain pure for the one made for us to be with forever and if we are already past the point of prevention and have made mistakes in the past we must repent of what we have done before God, ask him for forgiveness, and truly sanctify our souls into a state of abstinence and purity until our next and final soul tie with our husbands or wives that will become our forever covenant. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen reads, He who covers his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. And 1 Thessalonians 4, 3-4 reads, This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the passion of lust. Renounce your sexual soul ties with all those people in the past and bring your mind, body, and soul into the present and heading into your future. Repent for what you have done and walk forward into a new life of righteousness now. Our soul ties are meant to be formed under God's blessing. Those that aren't will be cursed. Our wickedness and unrighteous behavior will not be rewarded or forgiven without genuine repentance and sanctification. When we go into marriage, we must make sure that bed is pure. Physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, we must obtain the blessing of our Father in heaven by doing things the right way not the convenient way, the easy way, the socially acceptable way, or the pleasing to us way. Our soul ties must be formed and bonded by and for God in all of his glory. So again, <laughs> finally, why wait to have sex until marriage? Marriage is meant to be a covenant made before God. If you have sex outside of wedlock, then you are performing unrighteous, sinful acts. And without genuine repentance and true change of heart, we will suffer the consequences of those choices at the day of our judgment. Guard yourself and your spirit, be faithful, Put on the full armor of God and seek first righteous living at all times. Marriage is a beautiful gift from God, and it is important to be faithful to your spouse or your future spouse. And through obedience to God, you shall both be blessed and rewarded accordingly. Right? (laughs) can I get an amen in the chat (laughs) right on there are a great many sins that we must seek to avoid right not just sex not just sex outside of wedlock there are a great many sins we must avoid move beyond and overcome ask for repentance ask for forgiveness for and enter into our eternity with a place at the table in the Lord's kingdom pride, anger, jealousy, greed, fear, and lust. One sin is not necessarily greater or worse than the others, and all must be addressed and overcome with urgency and care. You can fight me or debate me in the comments on that. <laughs> but one sin is not necessarily greater or worse than the others, and all must be addressed and overcome with with urgency and care right on set of a says amen <laughs> demon hunter bear my dude in the chat says amen 1,000 times and life to the max in the chat says amen thank y'all love y'all appreciate y'all for being here <laughs> and hear me out so again we need to address all of our sins right especially the ones that you're the weakest in or that you're failing in, you're lacking in, the ones you cannot overcome must be addressed. Not forgotten about, not moved beyond, moved past, not accepted all of your sins, whether it be pride, anger, jealousy, greed, fear, lust, everything needs to be addressed. That doesn't mean sexual immorality is is worse than one or the other, you know? But it still must be addressed, it still must be a virtue that you seek to have, purity. We can't ignore our fallen natures and we must overcome them through repentance and sanctification. I'll just keep repeating that all night until (laughs) until it sinks in. We must overcome our sinful fallen natures through genuine repentance and genuine sanctification. We must take these battles in our lives to God through prayer and ask for vision, hope, strength and wisdom in pursuing righteous living and leaving behind these destructive, dangerous, deadly evils that plague the human heart. We must be born again. We must seek the salvation afforded to us through Christ and become the righteously masculine or righteously feminine people. We were designed to be and are destined to become. Sex and food are the easiest ways for Satan to corrupt the flesh, and that is why fasting and abstinence are so very crucial to combating his wicked schemes and his attempts to distance us from our Creator. His attempts to make us the created focus on the created and not... Those of us who are created, well, I guess all of us who are created, focusing and striving for a relationship and a reunion with the creator. Satan will do whatever he can to focus our eyes on the created and not fixate our eyes on the creator. I, you know, me, Sean here, I have personally done a very good job of abstain, abs, abstaining, ab, abstaining, abstaining. <laughs> I've done a very good job of abstaining from sexual relations and sexual releases in the last two to three years of my life and have struggled immensely with controlling my food cravings and taste indulging and stomach filling. Now that Satan does not have control over my balls, he seeks to attack me in the next most vulnerable place on my body, which is my gut. And he has done a pretty good job of weakening me spiritually as a result. It is a constant battle, an endless pursuit of a sanctified heart, and an overcoming of sins we must strive for and never give up on. We must push through our, fre- our flesh urges to become truly righteous souls, seeking only the goodness that comes from a pure, genuine, obedient relationship with our Heavenly Father. We must overcome the desires of the flesh, the urge to enjoy the created all around us and focus our eyes on eternity and seek first and always a true relationship with the creator. And yeah, so now I'm gonna end tonight by reading the first two chapters and then the very last chapter of this amazing book right here called The Purity Principle by Randy Alcorn. And I do have, it's a small read, it's a quick read. I do have a handful of extra copies. It's, again, it's a short read, but very profound and insightful for all Christians. Um, Just message me somewhere. (laughs) Hit up, slide into my DMs on social media. Um, Hit me up in... On my Discord, or write to me on my P.O. Box, the info for that, the invite link to my Discord and my P.O. Box address is in the show notes, wherever you're watching this or listening to this. It's also on my website. And you can also just at me, at Sean v Planet. Hit up my DMs, my private messages, and um, send me your info, and I will literally mail you a book, a copy of this, The Purity Principle. But for now, we're gonna read this, like, What, 20 or so pages, 15 or so pages from the small book? And I hope you enjoy it. If you have any last chat, comments, or questions, hit me up. Right on, we're going to read this. Again, The Purity Principle by Randy Alcorn. Chapter 1, Forfeiting What Could Have Been. Eric stormed into my office and flopped into a chair. I'm really mad at God. Having grown up in a strong church family, he would met and married a Christian girl. Now he was the picture of misery. Okay, so why are you mad at God? Because, he said, last week I committed adultery. Long pause. Finally, I said, I can see why God would be mad at you, but why are you mad at God? Eric explained that for several months he'd felt a strong, mutual attraction with a woman at his office. He prayed earnestly that God would keep him from immorality. Did you ask your wife to pray for you? I said. Did you stray away from the woman? Well, no. (laughs) We went out for lunch almost every day. Slowly, I started pushing a big book across my desk. Eric watched. Uncomprehending. As the book inched closer and closer to the edge, i prayed aloud oh lord please keep this book from falling i kept pushing and praying god didn't suspend the law of gravity the book went right over the edge smacking the floor i'm mad at god i said to eric i asked him to keep my book from falling but he let me down to this day i can still hear the sound of that book hitting the floor it was a picture of eric's life young Gifted and blessed with a wife and little girl, Eric brimmed with potential. His story didn't end that day. Eventually, he became a sexual predator, molesting his own daughter. He's been in prison for years now, repentant but suffering the consequences of inching his life toward the edge until gravity took over. How many of us Christians hope God will guard us from calamity and misery? Well, every day we make small, seemingly inconsequential, immoral choices that inch us toward bigger immoralities. Tiffany and Kyle also grew up in the church. When the youth pastor warned against premarital sex, they had trouble taking him seriously. Their movies, television, and music focused on sex. One night after youth group, Tiffany gave in to Kyle. It was painful nauseating nothing like the movies afterwards she felt horrible kyle was mad at her because she wasn't supposed to let it happen tiffany started sleeping around trying to find a guy who loved her she never did they just used her and moved on she quit going to church one day she discovered she was pregnant a friend drove her to an abortion clinic and now she's plagued by dreams about the child she killed. Tiffany could turn to Christ. He would forgive her. But her heart is so broken and calloused now, she doesn't believe it. She's attempted suicide. She's on drugs, a street prostitute. She's been raped. Recently, she had another abortion. Her eyes are dead, and so is her hope. Kyle? He's lost interest in spiritual things. He's at college now, an atheist. He's had sex with several girls. He feels empty, but experiments with anything he thinks might bring him happiness. And Lucinda, a Christian, decided her husband wasn't romantic enough. A decent, hardworking, church-going guy, he just didn't live up to the Prince Charming images of Hollywood. She got involved with another man, eventually marrying him. Years later, after bringing unspeakable grief to her family and herself, she came back to Christ. I wish I had my first husband back, she admitted, but now it's too late. Yes, God has forgiven Lucinda and still has plans for her, and yet she has paid a fearful price. The prophet Jonah in the digestive tract of a great fish beneath the Mediterranean Sea made this observation in Jonah 2:8. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. An idol is something more than a grotesque statue with big lips and a ruby in its navel. It's a God substitute. It's something, anything, that we value higher than God. In order to cling to such an idol, we make a trade. Our sexual behavior reveals who or what rules our lives. Sexual sin is idolatry because it puts our desires in the place of God. Those who turn from God to embrace a God substitute suffer terrible loss. Why? Because they were made to find joy in God not in the substitute. They swap God's present and future blessing for something they can immediately see, taste, or feel, but that something never satisfies. I've done it, so have you, to one degree or another. Every sinner trades what they have and could have had for a lie sometimes the lies get bigger and the stakes get higher we keep inching our lives toward destruction to fulfill some hormonal surge some secret fantasy we will we willingly trade our future it's a terrible trade a deal with the devil who never keeps his bargains Every day, Christian men and women forfeit future happiness for the sake of temporary sexual stimulation. Like drug addicts, we go from fix to fix, trading the contentment of righteous living for the quick hits that always leave us empty and craving more. That's what Eric did. He forfeited a wife who loved him, a daughter who would have adored him, the respect of his family, friends coworkers and church a walk with christ in the end he forfeited his freedom with every little glance that fuels our lust we push ourselves closer to the edge where gravity will take over and bring our lives crashing down what will we lose what will we forfeit that could that could have would have been ours Where would Tiffany be now if she'd kept herself pure, instead of a prostitute haunted by rapes and abortions? Tiffany could be a light for Jesus, standing up for him on a college campus, filled with joy and hope for the future. Kyle might be that too, if only. And what about Lucinda? She also forfeited what was hers and could have been hers. Who knows? what God's grace might have included. A clear conscience and a priceless sense of peace, warm, satisfying years of companionship, the respect and affection of children and grandchildren, an enduring influence on young women watching her example, a ministry touching scores of lives, rewards exceeding all imagination in the life to come. Yes, God has forgiven her, absolutely, but the consequences of her choices remain. Some readers, choking on consequences, feel hopeless and defeated. Many have given up on purity. Others have never tried. We all need foresight to see where today's choices will leave us tomorrow. Once lost, some opportunities are never regained. We can't live in the might-have-beens except to admit their reality and then, by God's grace, move on. In C.S. Lewis's Prince Caspian, after disregarding his instructions to follow him, Lucy tried to ask Aslan what might have happened if she had obeyed his voice sooner, following him instead of making excuses. The great lion replied, To know what would have happened, child, no. Nobody is ever told that. Here's what's striking about Eric, Lucinda, Tiffany, and Kyle. They all thought that they were acting in their own best interests when they followed their lusts. If we could have obtained an honest interview with any of them just before they trashed their purity, they would have said, this is for me. This is for my happiness. Yet it wasn't. Not even close. It never is. In fact, they didn't just hurt others. Without intending to, they acted against their own self-interests. What they did wasn't just wrong, it was stupid. Since the time we were young teenagers, many of us have heard lists of reasons for walking in sexual purity. God commands purity and forbids impurity. Purity is right. Impurity is wrong. Is that true? Absolutely. But it's equally correct to say purity is always smart. Impurity is always stupid. There it is. That's what I'm calling the purity principle. Purity is always smart. Impurity is always stupid. Not sometimes, not usually, always. You're not an exception. I'm not an exception. There are no exceptions. A holy God made the universe in such a way that actions true to his character and the laws derived from his character are always rewarded. Actions that violate his character, however, are always punished. He rewards every act of justice. He punishes every act of injustice. That doesn't mean God always intervenes directly. This moral law is like the law of gravity. God has set it in place. When a careless driver speeds on an icy mountain pass, loses control, and plunges his car off a cliff, God doesn't suddenly invent gravity and push punish the driver's carelessness. Gravity is already in place. In the same way, God doesn't need to punish the pornography addict for every wrong choice. The punishment is built into the sin. Shame, degradation, and warping of the personality follow as a matter of course. Scripture describes those who have surrendered to their lust to live in immorality as receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error, from Romans 1.27. That's the way God's moral universe operates. We get to choose our own path. But with each path comes inevitable consequences. The roads of life are sometimes hazardous. But God loves us enough to place warning signs. Don't commit adultery and no sex before marriage. We don't have to obey, but we do have to live with the consequences. Purity is safe. Impurity is risky. Purity always helps us. Impurity always hurts us purity is always smart impurity is always stupid write it down bank on it consider christ's story of two men from matthew 7 everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock the rain came down the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Matthew 7:24 through 27 Jesus measures obedience not by its virtue, but by its wisdom. He measures disobedience not by its wrongness, but by its foolishness. The man doomed himself to a great crash by his own stupid decisions. The obedient man isn't called righteous, but wise. He's just being smart. Satan's greatest victories and our greatest defeats come when he gets to ask, Should I choose what God commands me, or should I do what's best for me? The very framing of the question shows how badly we are deceived. We will not consistently choose God's way until we come to understand that His way is always best for us. But wait a minute, you might say, you're talking about a selfish, unspiritual motivation here. Shouldn't a Christian's only motivation be loving God? No, apparently not. Scripture provides us with multiple motivations for obeying God. Love is one, but the Bible clearly supplies us with two other motives that appeal directly to our self-interests, fear of God and hope of reward. If we think these are unspiritual motives, then we're failing to grasp a central biblical doctrine. The fear of God is a profound respect for His holiness which includes a fear of the consequences of disobeying Him. Weighing these consequences can motivate us to purity. We can also argue for purity because God is by nature a rewarder. Um, so see Hebrews 11:6, And He will surely reward us for taking choices that please Him. Obedience to His will and His way forms the underlying lattice for that rarest and most wonderful human condition joy and this is Deuteronomy 30 19 through 20 this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before your, your your life and death blessings and curses now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God listen to his voice and hold fast To him, for the Lord is your life. We can choose blessings, joy, peace, life, hope, and laughter, or we can choose curses, misery, scars, and a handful of ashes. When Cain, humanity's firstborn, stood at a moral crossroads, God gently reasoned with him Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. God was saying, if you choose my plan, you'll find happiness. There will be a smile on your face. Sure, this is a fallen world. But if you say no to your sinful desires that want to master you, if you walk with me, you will experience my peace. If you reject my standards, you will be surrendered to forces that will tear your life apart. The rest is history. One second, I'm sorry. does god really argue for sexual purity on the basis that it's the smart choice while impurity is stupid why avoid adultery because god will see it and he will bring judgment but even before judgment day the cords of his sin will hold him fast the adulterer will be ensnared he will die he's the primary victim of his foolishness in contrast The man who remains pure can rejoice and be captivated by his wife's love, enjoying their sexual union. And from Proverbs 5, 20-23, Why be captivated, my son, by an adulteress? Why embrace the bosom of another man's wife? For a man's ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all his paths. The evil deeds of a wicked man ensnare him, the cords of his sin hold him fast, he will die for a lack of discipline, led astray by his own great folly. In the next chapter, God asks Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his coal clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. Proverbs also depicts the man who is seduced into adultery as an ox going to the slaughter and like a deer or bird being killed by a hunter in Proverbs 7. A believer recovering from sexual addiction told me addicts always think they can get away with it. You won't change until you realize you can't. I can never away with sexual immorality god's want god wants me to remember that for my sake one night as a young pastor i chose to view pornography i felt terrible i'd failed my lord my wife my church i'd been a fool i caught a horrifying glimpse of what i could easily become but shame did nothing to deliver me i had to start thinking and choosing differently. Do you really want to be like an ox led to slaughter? If so, then keep flirting with that man next door or the new receptionist at the office. Keep thinking about messing with that girl or boy who sits next to you in class. Keep watching those television commercials and sitcoms and movies that shoot sex at you like arrows. The slaughterhouse is exactly where you're headed. But if you want something better, something wonderful, choose purity instead. It's okay to be out there for yourself on this issue. It's right to guard your virginity. It's good for you to encourage your children to save themselves for marriage, not only for God's glory, but for their own happiness. It's completely fitting to hold out the prospect of grief and self-destruction as reasons to avoid impurity. That's exactly what Proverbs does. One of our church's elders admitted to me, there have been times when I've had serious temptations toward adultery. I'd like to say that my love for God and for my wife were enough to keep me from falling, but it came down to sheer terror. I was certain that if I traveled that road, God would let my life turn miserable. He's a wise man, a man who acted in his own best interests. He knows impurity will be punished and purity will be rewarded with heaven's payoffs. It would be a lousy trade. He was too smart to make it. Is that a lesser unworthy motivation? No, this brother never fell. He never shipwrecked his family. He never shamed his church. He never broke his wife's heart. He never devastated his children. He never trashed his ministry. Do you think his wife and children are grateful for the fear of God that kept him pure in the face of dark temptations? Absolutely. The fear of God shouldn't scare us out of our wits. It should scare us into them. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life turning a man from the snares of death, Proverbs 14, 27. Those who succumbed to sexual temptation did not do so in their self-interest. Rather, they pursued what they imagined was their self-interest, what Satan deceived them into thinking was their self-interest. Had they pursued their true self-interest, they would have run from temptation, As from a slithering cobra or a live grenade. They would have embraced purity as a drowning person grabs a life preserver and how different their lives and families would be today if they had. When God calls on you to pursue purity, you are not being asked to do what will deprive you of joy. In fact, you are being called on to do what will bring you the greatest joy. To choose purity is to put yourself under God's blessing. To choose impurity is to put yourself under God's curse. It's your decision. You cast your vote with every choice. Those choices amount to one of two prayers. God, bless me for obeying you. And God, curse me for disobeying you. What's your voting record? Which prayer is being uttered by your choices today? Surveys indicate that the sexual morality of today's Christians has become almost indistinguishable from that of non-Christians. It's often impossible to discern where the world ends and the church begins. Our failure to follow the teachings of Scripture in this area undermines our ability to accomplish what God has called us to do. Why? Because if we are just like the world, we have nothing to offer it. An unholy world will never be won to Christ by an unholy church. Why is sexual purity such an integral part of a rewarding life? Why is premarital and extramarital sex so toxic to joy? Why have so many tried and tried and tried yet failed and failed and failed how can we avoid the lures and snares that lock us into bondage and tear away the abundant life it's no overstatement to call this a life and death issue the hour it will take you to read the rest of this book could save you from disaster it could set you on a course for which you and your family will always be grateful That's the first two chapters. Is this boring? Do you guys not like this? I was going to read the last chapter, the conclusion, but I might just move on. I feel like I'm taking up too much time. If you want to read this book, I can send it to you for real. Hit up my Discord. Hit up my, my uh, P.O. box. The link in the info is in my show notes. It's on my website. Again, hit up my PMs, my D.M.s, on my social media accounts, and I will literally mail you a book, <laughs> and you can read it for yourself. Um, if you're really def- if anyone here right now watching definitely truly wants me to read the last like three or four pages of the conclusion let me know but um, yeah this book is great it talks about guidelines for singles and couples um, those in, mar- in marriage and, and outside of it. it talks about the battle of the mind strategies for purity and much more Again, it's Randy Alcorn is the author. The Purity Principle is the book. It's amazing. Life to the Max says read it or read it. Read it. All right. (laughs) I got one vote to read it. All right. We'll read it. All right. A battle we can win. So this is the conclusion. So definitely, though, make sure to read the book because it's another... 80 pages of just gravy and insights and motivation. Um, but this is the conclusion. A battle we can win. In J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit, no one was seemingly more invincible than Smog, the mighty dragon. But unknown to Smog, there was one small chink in the armor of his underbelly. That was all it took for Bard the Hunter, a skilled archer. Unaware of his weakness and underestimating his opponents, Smog failed to protect himself. Bard's arrow pierced his heart, and the lake people were saved. An exciting story with a happy ending. But when it's a Christian felled by the evil one, the ending is tragic. Satan knows the chinks in our armor, and his aim is deadly. As I look at myself and my brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm deeply concerned at how careless and morally soft we've become. At times we are frighteningly weak in our exercise of spiritual or sexual purity. We watch and are amused by what offends a holy God. Our tolerance for impurity keeps expanding. Sin sneaks in under our radar We make ourselves defenseless. Men and women desensitized by immorality or teetering on the verge of affairs sit in church calloused or writhing in guilt and agony, feeling like the hypocrites they are and hating themselves for it. They may still attend, but they distance themselves from God and others. Our God longs to forgive and restore us, delivering us from the road to death and setting us on the path of life. It's time to take a close look at our minds, words, and actions. Like the Greek warrior Achilles, the strongest of us may appear unassailable to ourselves or to those who respect us, but one arrow to our heel provides otherwise, or proves otherwise. Think honestly and carefully. Is susceptibility to sexual impurity your Achilles heel? Is it a chink in your armor? If so, follow the guidelines of this book. Following the guidelines of this book may be more than a nice precaution. It may actually save your life and family from ruin. It may keep you from forfeiting God's blessing for your future. Those whose lives and families have been devastated should rejoice in His forgiving grace. Do not lose hope. God is not finished with you. Be patient, even though you're reaping consequences of past actions, some not your own. Trust God that in time you will reap vast rewards for the purity and faith you exercise today you know that the Lord will reveal we re- 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 <laughs> sorry Robert. Ephesians 6 8 reads you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does God doesn't want us to live each day paralyzed by the fear of a sudden fall in the context of resisting sexual sexual temptation the wise man says my son Preserve sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin. That overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being snared, Proverbs 3, 21 through 26. If we walk daily with Christ, guarding our hearts and keeping the covenant with our eyes, then and only then we can go our way in safety and not be afraid. A final question. So the last page of the book is a final question. Are you ready to commit or recommit yourself to a life of sexual purity? Now's the time. Nothing's more fleeting than the moment of conviction. God made a universe in which righteousness is always rewarded and unrighteousness is always punished. Purity is always smart, impurity is always stupid. Jeremiah 17:10 reads, "I the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind, to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. Live in such a way as to hear your Lord say to you one day, "Well done, my good and faithful, servant. When we hear Him say those incredible words, we will know that any sacrifice we made was nothing. Honor God by living in sexual purity. If you do, you'll experience His blessing and rewards not only today, tomorrow, and ten years from now, but throughout eternity. If we plant purity today, we will reap a rich harvest. And by the grace of God, we will look back on our lives, not with regret, but with joyful gratitude. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Pick up a copy, read it for sure. Find it online for free somewhere, or I can send you it. Literally, I will mail it to you. It's a great book to read. If you're struggling with it, if you're carrying on in... in, in uh, doing well in your in your faith walk and in your purity um, attempts still just a great week re- great read and added motivation for you tons of gravy tons of insights again Randy Alcorn the purity principle thanks for listening to me read it I hope I didn't like violate any like laws by reading it and that is gonna do it for me tonight guys I hope you all learned something about sex and purity and sexual morality and men and women and relationships and culture today and whatnot and you know got inspired if this is something you struggle with I am also always down to talk privately in my DMs or through handwritten letters to my PO box I still do write some of my pen pals every now and then and um, you know Get into some deep conversations sometimes with my P.O. box dudes, my little pen pals. And if you want to join the <laughs> if you want to join that and be my little pen pal and share some gravy and have some deep conversations, hit me up. The info for that is in my show notes and on my website. Um, some conversations have even sparked some topics we've talked about lately on my streams and going to be talking about soon. So if you have some of that, if you have some topics you want me to discuss, some some questions um some advice hit me up my p.o box handwritten or typed out letters um and i just love y'all and i thank y'all for that for everything um life to the max says encouraging way to handle episode 69 yeah hope i did y'all justice (laughs) hope i helped y'all on this on this episode Again, I couldn't not talk about it, right? It's the number. I couldn't just not talk. I couldn't just be like, hey, guys, tonight we're talking about um, some TV show. (laughs) We're talking about um, some advice on how to lose weight. (laughs) Or, you know, we're talking about uh, what? The church in China. Or Islamo-Christianity, you know. But yeah, and then some of that will come again next week. We're going to talk about the Squid Game. So either watch that or freshen up on that. Or um, just get ready to hear me talk about it and theorize about it and break it down. And talk about some of the cool themes and topics of it. Then I think the week after that, we're going to get... I have a guest lined up who probably who gave me a, a, a strong maybe. So uh, episode 71 on October 25th, I have a potential guest coming on. But my backup topic, if he can't join, is gonna be uh, Kurt Vonnegut's short story. To be or not to be, we're gonna talk about that, maybe read it, and then talk about it. And then after that, on November 1st, All Saints Day, we have Rachel Fulton Bla- Rachel Fulton Brown, the legend, coming on my stream. It's gonna be amazing. She's amazing. RFB, the fencing bear, coming on my stream. That's going to be amazing. And then after that, I have I want to get like four or five guests in a row. So we're going to have a bunch of guests and interviews coming up. And if they can't make it for whatever reason or if they bail me last minute, I have some topics to discuss we are um, going to be pretty interesting. But instead of getting to all these topics and guests and stuff, it's like I couldn't not have episode 69 be about sex and purity, right? <laughs> I couldn't just not do it. Um, said says thanks for the stream thank you brother for tuning in always giving me insights correcting me keeping me in check (laughs) being my mod in the chat slinging that hammer (laughs) in the chat the band hammer um, with grace intelligence wisdom and morality (laughs) right on and great show thanks for reading the rest says life to the max yeah thank you for tuning in thank you for putting up with me thank y'all truly I appreciate it go out this week and as always seek what is good what is true what is beautiful make sure as always to do good be good love and be loved Um, keep faith loyalty and hope in the forefront of your minds at all times it will guide you towards righteousness if your mind is focused on those three pillars those three crucial pillars Um, overcome your flesh urges and fixate those pretty little eyes of yours on the eternity that awaits you and I'll see you back here next week Monday night at 8pm central time one true time zone for another stream again we're going to be talking about squid games tell your friends tell your enemies and tune into that be here live in the chat if you want to share your theories or correct me or whatever Add some insights ask me questions and said at the very end gives me a, a deus it's de, deus vault right deus vault god wills it god's will be done deus vault <laughs> in the chat oh sevens in the chat bear sevens in the chat thank you guys for tuning in and listening and watching now or later i love y'all i appreciate y'all i'll see you here next week A lot of my artwork comes from a good man and friend of mine, Timmy J. Follow him on Instagram at switchbax. His company Mountain Folk is amazing. They promote artists. They create mesmerizing art. And they sell comfy clothing that helps support groups that are fighting against human trafficking. Be sure to follow at folkmtn on Instagram, as well as at MTN, And be sure to shop at mtn.folk.shop. This is not a paid ad. Just help good people do good things.